Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello everyone, welcome back. It's time to preview the 2022 Belgian Grand Prix at my favorite track in the world, Circuit Spa-Francorchamps. We're coming off of F1's summer break, getting back into the second half of the season. Not really half, we only have about nine races remaining. Not really half, but second half of the season is what they're going to tell you. Um, We're going to start this preview out strong, talking about the track and its history. As I mentioned, Circuit Spa-Francorchamps is where we are in the Ardennes Forest of Belgium. My favorite circuit in the world. Got it on my wall. Light lit up. English is not my first language, I'm sorry. Anyways, I have the track on my wall, a neon sign, um, the circuit, I love it, it's lit up right now, so excited, can't wait to see the race. Um, The original circuit spot Francochamp was built in a triangular shape in 1921, coming in at about 14.9 kilometers in length. The track was then reconfigured in 1979 to the current state, with now less than half of the lap distance of the original circuit. Alfa Romeo and the legendary Juan Manuel Fangio won the original Belgian Grand Prix in 1950, making it a 1-2 with his teammate Nino Farina behind him. The circuit itself is 7.004 kilometers, which is 4.352 miles in length, raced over the course of 44 laps for a total race distance of 308.052 kilometers or 191.415 miles. The circuit contains 19 turns, 9 to the right, 10 to the left, 2 DRS zones, one down the main pit straight and the other down the Kemmel straight following the Al Rouge Radion turns uphill down to the Lake Calm Chicane. Um, yes, Spa is one of the most loved tracks on the calendar, having a variety of long straights and fast corners, not to mention the weather that can change literally at any instant. Um, Due to the size of the circuit and the nature of Belgian weather, it can often rain in one area of the circuit and be bone dry in another area of the track. Um, Some other details on here. Au Rouge and Radion are among the most beautiful and iconic corners in the world, and there's plenty of action to be found there. Some of the greatest passes in Formula 1 history at that same corner, and even leading up to it, um, I remember... A few years back, when Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez were teammates, they crashed into each other, going down the uh, old pit straight that is used for the Endurance Championships, MotoGP, everything besides Formula 1, down the hill before Al Rouge, colliding there. Um, some notable crashes happened at Al Rouge and Radion. Lando Norris at qualifying, I believe it was even last year, if not two years ago, at the top of the hill after Radion. Um, the time that Max Verstappen went in turn one, bent his steering rod, couldn't steer through um, Al Rouge, and ended up in the wall before Radion. Some crazy things happen at the very beginning of the lap, and that's not to mention even the Kemmel Strait, Lake Calm, going down the hill to Ravage, No Name, Puan. I could go on and on about how much I love this circuit. The winningest driver in the Belgian Grand Prix history at Circuit Spa-Francorchamps is Michael Schumacher with six victories. Winning his constructor is Ferrari with 18. I uh, don't get the feeling that they'll be strong here, seeing as their car this season is better through the high downforce and twiddly bits 
of circuits and there's not many of them. The first and third sectors almost fully wide out here at Circuit Spa Francorchamps. So I think this is going to be a track Ferrari struggles at, but we're going to get to that at the end of this episode with my predictions. Now we're going to move on to some storylines that came from the last race, which seems like forever ago at the Hungarian Grand Prix. First and biggest story was Sebastian Vettel retiring from Formula 1, opening the seat at Aston Martin, which Fernando Alonso is set to fill. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Fernando Alonso decided to leave an up-and-comer in Alpine to go down to the depths of the Constructors' Battle and join Aston Martin. I don't see anything other than money influencing this decision. We can all see the, the performance won't be there instantly next season for Aston Martin without something crazy happening the rest of the season. So if there's any other reason to leave a good team like Alpine for Aston Martin, I would absolutely love to hear it. Um, in the last race, we had another Ferrari strategy blunder. We all know it by now, Ferrari strategy is an absolute joke. Last time out with the strategy has pretty well cooked both of their title hopes. And unless Charles gets on top of the team, I think it's indeed game over. I think Charles is just going to have to pick his own strategies, and that's all I can really say. Carlos has been doing it himself all season, and you see how it's turned out for him in races that he's finished. It's just you got to figure out what's best and actually do that plan instead of what might be best and going with that no matter what happens. I was listening to someone else talk about it the other day, and it seems like what they were saying is Ferrari seems to make up a strategy and just say that's what we're doing, regardless of what the data points say throughout the race. If you couldn't find an example of this, I can give you one right now. The Hungarian Grand Prix, we saw the Haas cars, Alpine cars, and I feel like another car somewhere in the field all went on to hard tires at the beginning of the race after their first pit stops. Ferrari had enough data to look at and just watch them and still decided, hey, let's try them on our cars. Because what could possibly go wrong? No one was doing good lap times. Everyone was coming back in to change back to mediums or to softs. Weren't staying on the hards any longer than a few laps. And Ferrari saw that and said, yeah, no, it looks like a viable option. Let's do that still. So, I mean, that's just one option. One observation of mine you could probably find plenty more examples should you look through the entire season but we're not here to talk about the entire season I did that a few episodes ago um, reviewing the season and the news so we're going to move on the next storyline that occurred at the last race Hungarian Grand Prix had another Mercedes double podium with five podiums in a row for Sir Lewis Hamilton Mercedes seem to be hitting their stride now even if they aren't always quite on the pace of the front runners they're still there and picking up the pieces of whoever fails to finish or perform at the level that is um, assumed that they will be at coming into the weekends. For our, our Mercedes, always there to pick up the points that are lost. Qualifying isn't always the strong suit of the Silver Arrows, last time out being the exception, but during the race, Mercedes came to life, and with or without upgrades, I think that this trend will continue for the rest of the season. I'm excited to see what happens with them the rest of the year. George Russell obviously going to continue to progress with more experience in that car. Lewis Hamilton, as he gets a better feel for it, obviously going to progress. I think they're just going to keep going on an upward trend. And as long as they don't bottle strategies like the red cars ahead of them, they should be okay. So now let's talk about some storylines from the summer break. Our new technical directive is finally coming, and I'm so excited to see what happens. The new directive that had to do with the porpoising and bouncing of the cars starts here, baby. 
The skid plates will be measured more in depth, with the rumors suggesting that Ferrari and Red Bull are among the teams that would be the ones that would lose performance due to this. I'm just excited to see if this brings the pack closer together, not even just at the front, but even throughout the midfield, if anyone else has figured out some loophole that these teams have figured out and tried to um, exploit, or if it's just the front-running teams. I know I mentioned this in my Roundup episode last time. Um, It seems as though Mercedes says that they don't know what the... um, what would have triggered this directive. They didn't know what was going on. And once it was read out what was going to be looked at, they realized they might have missed an opportunity or so they said. So I'm kind of curious to see if the front runners of Ferrari and Red Bull come back closer to the pack or if Mercedes falls off even further, if they were just bluffing and they did exploit the problem and they're the reason that it's being initiated. Or if someone further down the field falls off the pace, like maybe Alpine figured it out or... Um, Haas figured it out, and now more people down the pack are going to fall down further. It's not just exciting to me to see if the front runners fall down, but also who in the rest of the field had maybe been taking advantage of the rules. So I'm excited to see that. Another little storyline from the summer break was Oscar Piastri spurning Alpine and rejecting the deal for 2023 to try to go to McLaren. I'm still not sure exactly what's going on here. Um, Alpine confirmed Piastri for the seat to replace Fernando Alonso, who left for Aston Martin, only for Piastri to say he never signed an agreement and wouldn't be staying on with the team for a race seat the next season. I feel as though the Williams or McLaren rumors are true and that he already has either signed or started negotiating a contract that he either can't get out of or doesn't want to leave. Should he have signed already for Williams as that was a strong rumor before, then I think that contract is done, signed, sailed, delivered. I don't think that's the case though. I think that he started talking to McLaren about potentially replacing Daniel Ricciardo. Go check out my Formula 1 2023 driver lineup predictions if you want to see what I had to say about that. But I think he's going to end up at McLaren replacing Ricardo. And uh, some pretty wonky things could go on through the rest of the grid because of it. So go check out that if you haven't already. But yeah, still not really sure what's going on with Oscar Piastri. He finally gets appreciation from Alpine and he doesn't take it. But I think he was just tired of being pushed away for Fernando Alonso. Even though his junior career is absolutely spotless winning f3 f2 right in a row never mind everything else that he won prior to that and everyone loving him on social media and in the paddock i'm excited to see oscar piastri whether it's in mclaren or alpine next season it seems as though he's almost a lock to be on the grid now but let's get back to the belgian grand prix with my predictions for the weekend my first prediction for the belgian grand prix is I think there will be 15 or less classified finishers in the race. I think between the reliability of everyone's cars this season and the speed at this circuit and the ever-present threat of a turn one, lap one crash here, I think we're going to be down at least five cars. We might even be down this many by the time we get to Al Rouge and Radion on the first lap. If you don't believe this statement, go back and look at some past races um 2016 i believe 2017 when charles leclerc was in sauber in the first corner i'm pretty sure there were four cars out of the race by the time they got through turn one and another car was in the wall at al rouge radion with damage sustained in the turn one incident leclerc's car went over the back of fernando alonso ripped the rear wing off, or maybe it was alonso's car going over leclerc's 
honestly, right now I'm so excited for racing to be back that my mind is not straight. Anyways, one car went over the back of another, ripped the rear wing and the bodywork underneath of it completely off the car. The other one, obviously, flying through the air is not going to be raceable anymore. And, yeah, so we were down four or five cars just after that incident. I think that coped with the reliability problems that every car has seemed to have this season, whether it was Red Bull early, Ferrari ever since, and other cars throughout the grid randomly having reliability issues. I think that we're going to have 15 or less people finishing this race. Um, that is my first prediction. The next one, sad note. I think commentary is going to allude to the fact that this may very well be the final F1 race at Spa for the foreseeable future. My depression has kicked in. I have to give in and accept that Spa is likely to be dropped after this season, even if it does come back someday. I think everyone knows it, but try to kick the can down the road and avoid acknowledging it. The best thing we can do. If you don't know by now, the contract with Circuit Spa Francorchamps is up after the season and with Las Vegas, China, and Qatar coming back to the calendar next season, it looks as though Spa may be sacrificed for the good of the Formula One calendar. Also due to monetary issues and after last season's race, if you missed all of the news that came out of that race weekend, tunnels were collapsing, parking lots were so muddy, cars were getting stuck. Almost everything that could have gone wrong went wrong last season, and I think Formula One wants to shy away from that happening again. Not that I can blame them, it's just it couldn't have happened at a worse racetrack, because now I'm upset that it's going to be gone. Anyways, we move on. My next prediction for the race. I think one of the two Alpine cars will be out in Q2. Not, maybe not a big shocker to some, but I'm taking it as a bold prediction, okay? I get this feeling now that Alonso is gone and Piastri had posted his rejection of the 2023 seat. This might mean Alpine comes back from the break a little bit frazzled and end up behind the proverbial eight ball. I'm hoping I'm wrong because I like both the drivers and the team, but with the current circumstances surrounding it, I feel like the team might crumble or at least shudder the first week back. I think Fernando Alonso is the one of the better qualifiers on the grid. If you haven't seen his lap that was wrecked in Australia, it was going to be a front row pace that he was setting. Purple through one sector, green through another, and then crashed in the final sector. He's done it at Canada, putting it on the front row, saying he's going to be maximum attack on Max Verstappen in the first corner. I think he's one of the better qualifiers, but I think one of the Alpines will be out in Q2. I'm looking at you, Esteban Alcon, specifically. I think for my final prediction here, I'm going bold. My podium prediction and my final flat-out prediction for this weekend are basing off of the Red Bulls and Ferraris being the teams that were caught by the technical directive, like the news reports have stated, is the likely case. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just banking on what the rumors are, because nine times out of ten, where there's smoke, there's fire, baby. So my final prediction is that I see Lewis Hamilton out-qualifying both of the Ferraris, and yes, I said both. Hamilton has been dominant and consistent at Spa for as long as I can remember, and I think the Mercedes are starting to come into their own this season. Plus, if this new directive does affect Ferrari and Red Bull the way that it's rumored to, Mercedes should catch and or surpass both of the rivals ahead of them. Like I said, 
This prediction banks on that being true, the rumors of the technical directive catching Red Bull and Ferrari out, but that's not to say Mercedes won't get caught out. Like I said, maybe they're bluffing, maybe they're the reason that this directive was written. Who knows? We're not going to find out till racing comes back. That's why I'm so excited. It's my favorite track. We're finding out who's actually fast and who found a loophole. And I can't wait. I just can't wait. So that's the last of my predictions. We have 15 or less classified finishers in the race. Commentary alluding to the fact that it might be the last Belgian Grand Prix for the foreseeable future. One of the Alpines to be out in Q2. And Lewis Hamilton to out-qualify both Ferrari cars. My podium prediction for this weekend. Cue the drumroll. I have Lewis Hamilton winning the 2022 Belgian Grand Prix, Max Verstappen coming home second, and George Russell in third. Mercedes are coming to the front in a hurry, and I'll take Hamilton to win the race over Russell. Um, Similar to the one we saw last season between he and Max with George rounding out the podium. The battles that we saw last season with Verstappen and Hamilton, meaning what I'm alluding to here, the battles that we saw all the time with them last season with the championship battle whereas those two miles out front and everybody else trying to play catch up or just hold positions I think this is likely what we're going to see here at Spa Hamilton being dominant and or consistent however you would like to look at it and Verstappen having never won this race in a real race only winning it last year behind two laps of the safety car and canceling the rest of the race due to the rainfall that was occurring um, George Russell put it P2 in the rain so I mean I think that's just going to be the three best drivers here three best chances to win I'm taking all three sleeper pick would be Charles Leclerc where he won his first career race at Spurkett Spa Francorchamps after the passing of um, his close longtime friend Jules Bianchi um, yeah I think it's going to be Hamilton winning Verstappen second Russell rounding out the podium I'm so excited. I can't wait for this race. Um, I am recording this the Saturday before the race, so some things might change leading up to race day. But I am going to put this out anyways because I'm too excited to keep waiting. Um, Yeah, this is the end of this episode. My recap will be out after the race. I can't wait to watch it. I hope you are as excited as me, or at least just excited in general. Um, Yeah, that's the last thing I've got. I will talk to you guys in my race recap. Bye-bye.